we got it. It's okay. It's all, all good. Right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> good news. Good news. Good news. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Good News, a podcast, and it's Wednesday. Hump day. Hump day. <laughs> Gotta get away one more. Hump day. <laughs> Coming up, only the good stuff. Enjoy. Okay. All try right. number two. Uh, Matt, do you want to throw me under the bus so we can just... So, uh, first recording, Connor recorded from his laptop microphones. What that means is we sound like uh, we were thrown into a flaming garbage can and then rolled down the street while we were recording. So, as Matt was saying, we sounded like this. But... If you are from the nicest place to live in America. So we're going to record what was an incredible recording again. We had great chemistry. Yeah. Great chemistry. So Matt, would you say you lived in the best place in America? By far, no. But I did grow up in a in a really cool town where I was two hours from the coast and two hours from the mountains. Yeah. Well, I grew up. Eight miles. Well, that moved eight miles from the ocean when I was graduating high school and two hours from the coast. And I would also say that it was not the best place in America. Yeah, because the coast in New Hampshire looks very different than the coast in California. <laughs> That's true. But if, if you think you live in the nicest place in America, the Reader's Digest has nominations open right now for the 2018 nicest places to live in America. All you need is the name and location of place, and they want you to be specific. So a town, village, neighborhood, corner coffee shop, that little military base. Oh, wait, big military base, campus, workplace, even somebody's busy front porch. Yeah, you need like your zip code as well. Uh, but for me, you know, the people make the place and you can't nominate a person. That's a very good point, honestly. I think if we had to choose, we would live where our people are. Yeah, my parents still live in New Hampshire. But <laughs> <laughs> you missed the wistful look on Connor's yeah, face. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, people can move away from the rising seas. This is very true. Uh, it would be pretty ironic if one of these places wins and then it's covered in the subsequent years with water because, you know, rising sea levels. <laughs> Good thing I like boating. I don't like boating. <laughs> but there are steps scientists say we can take to keep the worst from happening. Thinking about Earth Day, David Bornstein, who I was able to interview at KWVA Eugene, where I work for the University of Oregon's campus radio station, Bornstein wrote an article for the New York Times Fixes column titled, A Smorgasbord of Solutions for Global Warming. For the article, Bornstein interviewed Paul Hawken, who's the executive director of Project Drawdown, which evaluates and ranks the top active solutions to global warming based on their actual impact on greenhouse gas emissions. According to their website, Project Drawdown is a broad coalition of researchers, scientists, graduate students, PhDs, postdocs, and policymakers, business leaders, and activists, all assembled to present the best available information on climate solutions in order to describe their beneficial financial, social, and environmental impact over the next 30 years. That's a lot of a lot of people looking at a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, that's how big the impact of the environment has on on us. And what this coalition did in the end was make a list of the top 100 solutions to reverse global warming. The top 7 solutions are 
refrigerant management, wind turbines, onshore only, reduced food waste, shift to a plant-rich diet, restore tropical rainforests, educate women, and family planning. The world seems set on making global warming a priority, or at least some nations, under Paris Climate Accords, which are a step in the right direction. Speaking of Paris, the Spider-Man of 18th has gained national attention after saving a child dangling from a fourth-story balcony. Mamoru Gassama was headed down the street in Paris's 18th district when he noticed a cacophony of car horns and screams as onlookers watched the boy dangle. It was later reported the boy had already dropped one floor. Gassama raced into action and scrambled up the side of the building, leaping and pulling himself over balconies. It was an incredible feat. I, I could not, I, I can barely do a pull-up. This guy went, <laughs> straight up, Straight up the side of the building. Within seconds, though, Gassama had the boy safely in his arms. An undocumented immigrant from Mali, Gassama didn't hesitate to save the child, even if it meant he would be questioned by authorities. And for his act of selflessness, he received an invitation for citizenship from the president, Emmanuel Macron. The French president met with Gassama on Monday, where he was given a medal for courage and a job offer in the city's fire service. In good news from the other side of the English Channel, a happy coincidence occurred. Flowers from the royal wedding earlier this month were donated to charity. One of those charities is St. Joseph's Hospice in Hackney, where 89-year-old Pauline Clayton resides. And at age 19, in 1947, Clayton helped embroider the soon-to-be Queen Elizabeth II's 15-foot train for the royal wedding. She must have been so good at her craft at such a young age to get to help with the queen's dress. That's like really impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm 22 and... Uh, I haven't accomplished that much. I don't know if I ever will. Can you imagine like laying your hands on like a royal garment and like realizing if you mess this up, the queen is going to notice? <sighs> well, in the next story, another young person does something even more impressive at 13. Yeah, at 13, Anushka Niknari won the Google Science Fair for her bandages that detect moisture in wounds. It's an amazing feat at 13, let alone any age, to come up with technology that will help about 2% of the population who suffer from chronic wounds, usually caused when there's a, a normal wound, but somebody has a pre-existing condition like diabetes. I mean, at 13, I was like transitioning out of Legos into sports and like that's the most science I was doing outside of school, like the, the Legos that I had left. I can't. And while you were doing that, she was working with sensors and code to be able to create a bandage that lets doctors know when it needs to be changed. I want to say like the change in technology over time has made that difference. But I know it's I mean, she she's just way more determined than I was at that age. And it's so impressive. In November of 2017, she gave a TED talk on her on her uh, invention uh, in, in the Women of 2017 series, uh, she is most certainly impressive. Yeah, and she's right up the road. Yeah, she's Portland. from Portland, Oregon. And in her free time, she likes to ice skate. I, like, I don't have free time as a student, and yet a 13-year-old reading research journals had free time to go out and skate, and very impressive. Uh, in a blast from the past, a sleep study from the Stress Research Institute at Stockholm University, which tracked more than 38,000 people over 13 years, reported. 
People who sleep less than seven hours on weekdays, but caught a few extra hours on the weekend, live just as long as people who get seven hours of sleep every night. I mean, my, my strategy is working out. That very much is your strategy. Grind all week and then sleep the weekend away. Yeah, I've gotten better. I'm getting closer to that seven hours on weeknights, but good news. RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, does a similar strategy. She sleeps way late in on the weekends and is up till all hours of night as a justice uh, in the Supreme Court. And in a countdown from last week. 20 years ago, on May 26th, Australia held its first National Sorry Day. Though it took more than half a century to say sorry, National Sorry Day is a day of atonement for the social engineering policy that ripped an estimated 50,000 children from their aboriginal families between 1910 and 1970s. Even though it took them so long to say sorry, at least now they're able to confront what they've done and realize that was a horrible injustice and they need to continue to say sorry for what happened. It, it is always good news to hear uh, that, that history is not being ignored. Absolutely. Uh, in a very different note, 55 years ago on May 27th, Free Will and Bob Dylan came out. And I love Free Will and Bob Dylan more than I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And that is saying something. Nine-Nine! And this year, on May 28th, my sister Kaylee turned 24. And uh, middle of April last month, I was in Chicago, and I was very fortunate to be able to sit in with the Good News Podcast, who are based in the Windy City, and we did an episode on half birthdays, and my sister's been a champion of half birthdays for a long time. Uh, she always sends me something, so I was able to send her a recording for her birthday, which I can't play due to copyright issues. Uh, there's music in me saying ha uh, just my sister's name in certain birthday songs, uh, but I love my sister a lot, and happy birthday again. Thanks for listening. The second time. <laughs> Cheers, guys. For more good news, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as the World Wide Web. Goodnewsapodcast.com. Renovations to come.